0: It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello everybody and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on
1: cornerofthegalaxy.com coming to you on a Monday, November 30th. Uh, LA Galaxy making some, uh, some roster announcements today, so it's certainly one of the top things on our list we're going to talk about, but there's also some U.S. men's national team call-ups that include three LA Galaxy players, some interesting matchups in the MLS playoffs. Yes, I know, I'm sure you all thought that the, uh, the, the soccer was over this year, but uh, MLS continues to play. Um, and uh, because of that, some interesting matchups that have a whole bunch of LA Galaxy ties in there. So we have a, uh, a very busy schedule as we come back uh, after uh, Thanksgiving. And to help me do all that is the Panda self, Mister Kevin
2: Baxter. Kev, how was your Thanksgiving? Everybody, uh, everybody, good. We all worked. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> had to work. Everybody here had to work. Yep. Yeah. That's- no, nothing to be thankful about, really.
1: I, I, eh, you know what? We're, we're you're healthy. That's something to be thankful for. You know, yeah. you're, you're annoying, but you're healthy. So I mean, you know, there's 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 stuff in there. We'll allow it. That's
2: how you know I'm healthy when I'm annoying.
1: I, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So um. It's this weird sort of off-season time, and I know you and I have been talking throughout the day on this Monday, and uh, we almost didn't get our press release that we were expecting uh, as a uh, as a deadline came to pass in Major League Soccer. Uh, it finally came out at about 4.45 p.m., so a little bit of scrambling there for, for both of us to do. Um, but we're, we get to talk about it now. We get to talk about a whole bunch of things. I mean, the thing that really kicked off this entire... Um, you know, sort of day was the U.S. Men's National Team call-ups. And usually, you know, we focus not so much on the U.S. Men's National Team, but on the L.A. Galaxy players that are going. Um, but in this case, we knew that there were two L.A. Galaxy players in particular that everybody was sort of focusing on going. And, and we got that information at about, uh, what was it, 11 o'clock? 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock today or something like that? Yeah, it
2: was actually supposed to come out tomorrow. But uh, for whatever reason, U.S. Soccer decided to move it up a day. Apparently, a lot of people felt like, Monday was a better day, a better news day to get that out there. I don't know how much thinking they put into that, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was when I woke up this morning. One of the first emails I got was, "Be prepared for the roster dump. It's coming today instead of Tuesday."
1: Yeah, so uh, so it was out there. The uh, the pertinent information, and obviously, if you're interested, Greg Berhalter uh, put out a 22 man roster for an upcoming match coming up on December. Is it December eighth?
2: December 9th, 9th. at uh, Inter Miami Stadium, and they will allow fans, I think 2,500 fans uh, will be allowed to come to that game.
1: Yeah, this is a game uh, against El Salvador for the U.S., um, and the U.S. Is, is fielding a almost entirely MLS based roster. It's uh, most of the guys who have uh, missed out on the playoffs um, have been released for, uh, from their teams and, and playing in this. The The interesting part about this is for the LA Galaxy is that they, along with the Colorado Rapids, have the most representatives on this
2: 22-man see, roster. See, there's a good thing about missing the playoffs that's the upside that everyone misses you miss the playoffs and you get to go to the national team by the way um, it's 22 man roster right now but there are two uh, western conference uh, semifinals to be played this week which we'll talk about that in a bit tomorrow and then Thursday Players uh, that off the losing teams in those two games may also be called up, uh, you know, called into camp. In any case, it's just one game. Um, I, I think the idea is get people into camp. I think that all of the interesting things will happen in training when Greg Berhalter gets a chance to work with some of these players. And another interesting thing: Did you know the U.S. national team is undefeated this season?
1: Well, I, I mean, limited number of games, so that's the first yeah. thing. But but they haven't lost. I mean, it makes sense. That's all. That's a weird feeling as a as a U.S. soccer uh, follower. Uh, to To say that even with a limited number, usually it has to be like the first couple of days in January for you to be able to to, to be making that claim.
2: this is the fewest number of games before now. Fewest number of games the U.S. national team has played since I believe 1986.
1: That's 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 not very many. Well, let's get to the uh, Galaxy players who are announced on this. Julian Araujo gets the call up from Greg Berhalter. Um, we'll talk about him. Efrain Alvarez is the interesting one and the one that everybody's sort of focusing on just because there's a lot of different circumstances that we'll see him called into camp but not play. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about Sebastian Legette as well. So we'll start with Legette, who is one of the older guys on this roster. It's interesting. Uh, he also has the uh, the chance here, if he plays in the game, which he's probably expected to play with an MLS-based roster, uh, if he plays, uh, will be the only U.S. men's national team player to have played in all four games uh, for the United States this year. Because you have to remember, there was a European-based roster that we all saw, um, and then Sebastian Jet because the LA galaxy released him basically before the season was over, not basically before the season season was over. Uh, he went and was able to travel and play with that uh, European based team. So he got to play in those games and he's going to get to play or at least be available in this game as well. So uh, Sebastian legit sort of has that, but uh, the other two interesting ones are Julian Araujo and F Ryan Alvarez. Uh, Any let, let's, let's start with uh with a cause F Ryan gets to be the more complicated one, but Julian Araujo Kevin uh, a, a chance at actually getting to play on the field this time.
2: Okay, well, you know, Julian was called up in the January camp, which is also an MLS camp, but did not play and was really disappointed not to play in that February first game against Costa Rica. The U.S. won that game one to nothing. Um, it wouldn't have cap tied him to the U.S. anyways, uh, because it was a friendly. You to be cap tied to a team, you need to play in a competitive match. So with the senior national team, it wouldn't have cap tied him that to that. But you know, the thing with both Arajo and Efrain Alvarez. They are two of four players called in this camp that are dual nationals that can play for either Mexico or the U.S. Uh, the the, uh, the games in Europe, there were actually 12 players that are dual nationals. And what's interesting about this is Mexico for so long has come across the border – and taken players, uh, recruited players from the U.S. to you know that have Mexican parents that can go play in Mexico, and they've been very successful uh, doing that. Efrain Alvarez is one. He played for U.S. national team U15, played three games, and then has played for three different uh, Mexican youth national teams. So um, uh, Greg Burhalter now is letting him know that there's some interest in him playing for the United States. The U.S. national team is very interested in him. Going back to Julian for just a second, I know Mexico's very interested in the, in, in him. I talked to their sporting director, uh, Araldo Torado, and he told me that, that they are aware of what he's doing with the Galaxy. They're aware that he is eligible to play for them. He is not cap-tied either. Um, so there is a little bit of a tug-of-war going on with uh, many of these young players, including the two Galaxy players. Um, what Greg Berhalter has said is, um, again, they can't be cap-tied in this game, so nothing can change their status But what he wants to do is bring these guys in, all the dual nationals, have them look around, see how the U.S. does things, see how the coaching staff works, see how things fit. His goal is not to pressure anyone. He said this is a a decision that these players need to make with their families, and we're going to respect those decisions. We're going to get out of the way. But basically, they just want to say, look, here's how we do things. Here's how you fit in. Do you like the coaching staff? Um, If you do, if you're interested, let's let's. You know, move these discussions on a little bit. So this is definitely a chance for Efrain to come in. He can't play again uh, as we talked, but to come in, and Julian as well, come in, kick the tires, talk to the coaching staff, see how they fit. And as you had said when we were talking earlier, both these guys would be eligible to play – in the Olympics, if there is an Olympics, yes. which is a U-23 tournament, they're both age-eligible for the Olympics. And that's another reason that the U.S. wants to uh, take a good long look at these guys and maybe get them involved in the program. They're thinking about having them play in Japan.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Efrain uh, Alvarez is, is cap-tied to... Technically speaking, in a a technical sense, he didn't play for the senior Mexican national team, uh, but he did play for the youth Mexican national team in the U-17 World Cup, I believe. Uh, And that was an official competition. And because of that, if Efrain Alvarez wanted to even play in this USA El Salvador game, he would have to uh, basically put in his one-time switch. Uh, And that one-time switch would then have to be approved. So... Um, he's not going to play in this game, Efrain Alvarez. He's going to go. He's going to train with the guys. He's going to sort of see what the U.S. is offering. Uh, and then he's going to be able to go back and, and play for Mexico and, and do his things. It, it's not about, I, th- I think, Greg Burhalter and, and you've, you've characterized it. Well, it's not about convincing him that he needs to switch now. It's more about showing him what's going on. And there's a lot of different arguments for Efrain Alvarez about, you know, you look at the turnover and sort of the roster comp- uh, composition between the two teams right now, between Mexico and the United States and the United States has a bunch of young up and coming players. Um, you know, they seem to be sort of changing the guard. And I know a lot of people are excited about the U S men's national team who have watched them recently. You talked about them being undefeated, which is you know, a feat in itself, even in a severely COVID affected season uh, and basically only four games being played this year. That's all interesting. Mexico's in a little bit different spot with, with Tata Martino and Kevin, you and I have talked about this, but, you know, still sort of sticking with the older guard and not necessarily going with the younger kids. So, I mean, there's if, if Efrain Alvarez was going to make a decision on this, he would have probably more competition On the U.S. side of things, but at least in the short term little bubble that we're looking at right now, perhaps the United States has more of an upside in the next couple of years. And so to be part of that team means that you could be part of a very successful team in the United States. And with Mexico, you know, you'd probably get to play now and you could sort of just be a staple on that roster. If you are after Ryan Alvarez, he still has to obviously prove Kevin. That he can play. And I would think that there are a lot of Galaxy fans and myself included that are questioning whether or not he can play at this upper, you know, adult level um, in Major League Soccer. And, you know, then that goes for the for the national teams as well. But, uh, you know, looking at Efrain, he certainly has some something to prove in this US camp and then he'll have something to prove with the LA Galaxy next year and then Julian Araujo you talked about it he didn't get to play whenever Burhalter called him up last time remember there were a whole bunch of family members that came down for that game it would have been perfect um would have been the perfect sort of showcase for him to be able to play and because he didn't play Kevin we know that he had a chip on his shoulder and that chip on the shoulder really did sort of lead to I think some of his breakthrough this year and his ability to be as good as he was he's playing as the underdog um, so I guess maybe if you're a Galaxy fan you hope maybe Greg Berhalter doesn't play him again but it, it seems likely that Efrain Alvarez, or excuse me that Julian Araujo is going to get time in this game and, and get that first cap for the US it doesn't cap him, uh, but it would put his name you know and sort of the u.s soccer column for uh, for at least a, a temporary little time but as you said Mexico and the United States still sort of uh, uh, fighting or at least uh, uh, bargaining uh, with these two to see who will uh, who will get
2: who well it Mexico is a ticking time bomb. You may know that they're now ranked in the top 10 in the world by FIFA. They're number nine in the world. But they had one of the older rosters of all the teams at the World Cup they, in in Russia, the World Cup the U.S. did not go to. They had a very old roster. They tried to bring in some young players after that, uh, in between the coaching changes after Asorio left and before Tato Martino was hired. They brought up a lot of young players under Tato Martino. Uh, The team has been extremely successful, but mainly playing the old guard. They have, I think, seven players under 30 on the last roster they called up. So at some point, um, and it looks like Teto Martino is going to continue to go with this old group, perhaps through cutter. At some point, they're going to need young players like Alvarez and and like to rebuild this team. Um, uh, you know, do those two guys want to wait that long? Um, they could play for Mexico, perhaps in Tokyo, Mexico has a, it typically has a very good youth national team. They won the, they won the Olympic gold medal in 2012 in London. Um, but, but that's kind of the thing. Do they want to wait for the Mexican national team to start rebuilding? It could be, you know, when they begin that rebuilding, they'll be starting from scratch perhaps. And it could be a really, really awful time to be playing for Mexico. The team could be really poor. Um, Whereas, as you said, you know, they're going to the United States to compete for a job with some great players who are playing in Europe. Um, so those guys have some decisions to make. As you said, once Ryan Alvarez files his one-time change of affiliation, that's it. He's, he's stuck with the, you know, you can't, there's no, the, you know, there's no uh, go-backs on that. Um, arajo might be able to uh, maybe have a little bit more uh, leeway. But once these guys make the decision, they're, it, it's kind of done on the senior national level. So, um this is a good chance for the US to look at them and see if they fit in and then for those guys to decide what they want to do too. Julian has told me, we've had this discussion before, um, you know, he's proud to be American, proud to be born here, um, you know, the patriotic, all that kind of stuff. But he also feels an affinity to his parents' homeland. And he said, look, it basically comes down to who wants me more. I can go to either side. I don't have a problem playing for either side. Whichever side makes me feel like I'm wanted, that's where I'm going to go.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's very interesting. I mean, these kids are young. I, I can't imagine having a head on my shoulders to be able to make sort of these decisions that affect the rest of your life. Um, you know, at, at eighteen and nineteen years old. Uh, that 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 was something that I was not mature enough for, and it was sort of uh, shown in my ability to uh, to not understand some of the uh, some of the the physical gifts you had at that age to be able to go and play sports and make it possibly a career in a bunch of different ways. So um, yeah, this is, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, It could, it also means for both of these players that the 2021 season, that of which we don't really understand how it's going to work out and and sort of what limitations are going to be put on it. And MLS, I I believe is sort of indicated already that the 2020 salary cap is going to stay the same in 2021, that that won't move. It'll stay the same. Uh, There's been talk about uh about the the league starting in march um but i think it's even too early to tell if that's really something so all these things and then roster congestion game congestions all of the games that are going to get played and i know dennis declosa talked about this whenever he had his uh postseason press conference and and possibly even uh, on the interview uh that he was on our show as well um that he talks about just the raw, just the schedule congestion that's going to happen because you have all these international games, you have the Olympics, um, you know, you have uh, have all of these competitions that were delayed that are now going to want to be picked back up in a hopefully post-COVID era or at least a a getting better uh, away from COVID uh, time. So you look at all these things. Um, that could affect the LA Galaxy in the roster. Um, and our, Julian Araujo and Efrain Alvarez and Sebastian Leggett are going to be people who are you know have significant roles on this team. Uh, certainly Araujo and Leggett, and we'll see about Efrain. Um, but looking at all those things, you know these competitions are going to have an effect. And then that if they're gone for these competitions, Kevin, you're going to have you're going to have holes on the roster. Of the LA Galaxy you're going to have to be prepared
2: for. Yeah, and, and and I think you see that with the. The actions that they made today with the roster moves—you know, some of the players they uh, are continue to negotiate with, some of the players that they uh, pick the options up on—it um, it does look a lot like last year's team, which is not necessarily a good thing, but it also shows that there are some some players who we might maybe the second string players who. Uh, got some valuable playing time, you know, prove that they can uh, maybe handle a a little bit more step up in playing time next year. Because as you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of holes to fill at a lot of different times during the year guys going away to, uh, you know, as you said, Olympics, the gold cup nations league, this affects both the us and Mexico. And, and some of the South American qualifiers could, you know, affect people like Roth felcher. If he stays and goes down and plays for Venezuela. So I I think that the galaxy uh, roster construction, uh, Definitely it's going to take into a, a account the fact that there's going to be guys missing for multiple periods of time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, at many different times during the year.
1: Right, no, it, it it is something you have to watch. Now let's get to uh to I, I should probably warn everybody too. We're, we're in off season mode, so so depending on how much information and news there is, depending on how talkative Kevin and I are, or any of the podcasts that sort of come in the off season, they can be short, they can be longer. They're sort of in between, and so uh, if you're expecting a full hour, sometimes it won't always hit that. Uh, sometimes it'll only be a half hour. So just giving everybody a yeah, warning is we're I, we're in the off season. Yes, Kevin.
2: I think we're we're kind of done
1: now. Yeah, <laughs> you would, stop. You, would, you would think that you would think that almost uh I, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the not only the playoff games that are going on but just some of the matchups that are going and how mls basically had to move a whole bunch of playoff games because the nfl shuffled and moved a whole bunch of playoff games as well it, it still feels like uh 2020 is is not quite done with everybody yet
2: yeah well they have moved the second uh um playoff game the mls western conference. I'm trying to get this right. The Western conference semifinal, which was supposed to be Wednesday. That's the sporting Kansas city game, sporting Kansas city, Minnesota United, correct? Uh, Yes, that is correct. Yeah. They have moved that game. Uh, It was going to be played Wednesday, uh, but the NFL had to move a game. uh, It's Thursday night game had to be moved. And Fox was going to show that uh, obviously in prime time. And they had four or five hours set aside in their prime time uh, lineup to, to show sports and they didn't have a football game. So they went to MLS and said, your game is on Fox Deportes. How would you like to move it over to Big Fox, have it be on network TV and a network television audience on a Thursday night? Uh, MLS obviously jumped at that offer. Um, so they they moved that game now. People tuning in for Thursday night football will now get a different kind of football. Um, but that also forced MLS to make one other change because that game's going to be played on Thursday and the conference final was scheduled for Sunday. Right. There, there wouldn't be enough time in between games uh, for uh, whichever team won that for them to, to rest up and get ready for the conference final. So the conference final has been moved from Sunday to Monday. Now that might've happened anyways, because if Kansas city loses to Minnesota and Seattle beats FC Dallas, Seattle has the home game. They would play the conference final at home. They can't play it Sunday. Why? Because the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks, have the stadium on Sunday. So e- if Seattle winds up posting that game, it would have moved to Monday anyways. MLS just stepped in and said, let's just get it done now. We're going to move it. Um, basically, the, the, to, to wrap all this up, Kansas City and Minnesota get one extra day to prepare they get to play on national TV, and then the conference final is on Monday.
1: Yeah, well, the the other interesting part about this is we wanted to talk about you know matchups, but in the Eastern Conference semifinal, uh, where you have Columbus and New England, right? Um, oh, excuse me, the that's the conference final. I should have said um, the Eastern Conference final is is that Columbus versus New England. This is Caleb Porter, who was going to, you know who who seemed like he was minutes away from being the LA Galaxy.
2: And now how do we know that? How do we know that? What was the sign? He went to the Lakers game, right? That's that right. Cool. <laughs> That's courtside at the Lakers game. That's kind of like uh, the the smoke at the Vatican chimney. To, yes. You know, to know a decision has been made when when uh, the entire brass, Chris Klein, Dennis DeClosa, and, and uh, Dan Beckerman, Take a take a coaching candidate to the Lakers game and they sit courtside. That means that guy has been hired.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so Caleb Porter. And if you remember, whenever we saw that and we started asking questions, everybody was pretty optimistic that this was going to get done. Um, that you know Caleb Porter was going to be the next LA Galaxy head coach and for whatever reason, whether Porter was playing uh, Columbus off of L.A., whether it was about an extra year, I've never quite nailed down the exact specific details. That's certainly what people will tell you if, if you if you discuss it um, you know, with fans who have, who have been paying attention. Whether or not that's true is something that we've, we've never really been able to confirm, but Caleb Porter ended up not becoming the L.A. Galaxy head coach. Uh, Guillermo Baras-Coloto did, and the Columbus crew got Caleb Porter. So now you have Caleb Porter against the New England Revolution, who just happened to be Kevin, uh, coached and managed by one Bruce arena, um, who I think everybody is, is, is familiar with.
2: On the Porter thing, um, talking about why he didn't get the job. Uh, as you said, there's uh, all kinds of talks about why he didn't get it. And, you know, he was the college roommate of, of Chris Klein, which is uh, I think one reason a lot of people in galaxy land were kind of pushing for him. He and Chris Klein go all the way back to their college days at Indiana where they were roommates. Um, uh, a couple of things I heard kind of dovetail with what you heard That, that he wanted a, a longer term contract I believe the Galaxy were offering two or three And he wanted three or four He wanted one more year that they were offering Galaxy didn't want to do that uh, Because at the time they were still paying Ziggy Schmidt and Kurt Analfo Not to manage the team And they didn't want to get into a situation where If they had to let Porter go after a year or two They have to pay him uh, you know for not managing the team They didn't want to wind up having to pay three managers Not to manage the team so that was one strike against him. The other thing that I heard too is that um, a, a lot of the Porter talk happened uh, before Dennis Tokosa was hired as general manager. When he came in, he definitely wanted Scaloto. That was the that was his guy all along. Didn't feel comfortable with Porter. Didn't feel like they were on the same page. Uh, and then once Scoloto became, you know, he was sort of the backup candidate. Once Scaloto became available, um, that's where they went. And so that's the talk I hear. But uh, the interesting thing with this matchup. Um, You know Bruce Arena, when he came to the Galaxy, he came in in mid-season with a team that was doing very poorly. Um, The next year, he had them in the MLS Cup Final. That was 2008. He came in. 2009, he took this losing team to the MLS Cup Final. He's done the exact same thing in New England. Remember, a team that has never won an MLS Cup Final. He came in last year. In May, the team was doing poorly. He uh, was able to sort of put them together with duct tape and staples and got them into the playoffs. They didn't go very far. This year, he's now one win away from an MLS Cup final again. It's just it, it's kind of amazing how it, it it seems to be the exact same scenario he had here. Well,
1: and it also goes back to whenever the LA Galaxy were having all the problems after Siggy Schmidt and before they hired Gilberto Schkoloto, there were rumors that Bruce Arena was being mentioned for the LA Galaxy job. Um, I think to characterize it as there was interest certainly from arena to do that and i don't think there was much interest for the la galaxy to entertain that idea if, if 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 i'm mischaracterizing that kevin you and i have had this discussion many times but i think that feels like the correct characterization of of what was going on at the time
2: well his name was dropped and i i, I actually heard from both sides don't don't repeat this rumor. you know it's not true I, I do, but, but it subsequent investigation sort of found out, yeah, that the it, it conversations were had, um, that Bruce had uh, offered to help. It was unclear what kind of help he meant. Did he mean he was going to help coach the team? Did he mean he was going to help find a new coach, general manager? But there were discussions, and uh, Bruce felt rebuffed at one point. He felt like the Galaxy were just uh, sort of saying, yeah, yeah, whatever you want, you know, uh, you know, Thanks for the call. And they weren't really taking it seriously. And he he felt like with all that he had accomplished there, that he should be taken a little bit more seriously and, and shown some respect. So it it there was some talk there. I don't know how serious it was on the galaxy side. I think Bruce was sincere. He was. I know when he was unemployed after he left the U.S. national team. I know that he was bored out of his mind. We had a lot right. of talks. Bruce and I did. And um, uh, so I, I believe that he was sincere in wanting to do something, anything to get back into soccer and didn't feel like the Galaxy took him seriously. Um, And so now here he is in the playoffs again, uh, uh, you know, again, one win shy of an MLS cup. And I'm sure he's hoping the galaxy are watching closely.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sure there's, there's no love lost between that. It also goes back to, you know, one of the big criticisms when Bruce Arena's name was mentioned was no, you can't do this. And by the way, Dominic Kinnear also falls under this criticism all the time is no, this is MLS 3.0. You can't have an MLS 1.0 coach, um, you know, going in there. You can't have an American coach. You need an international coach. And it's just, It's frustrating, Kevin. You and I have been covering this this league for a long time. We see these trends. We see these things happen. But most of the time, it feels like it's more... Uh, PR than actual substance, right? Because this year, everybody was on Philadelphia talking about how they do it right with young players and their young core and all these things, and they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, you can talk about uh, Oscar Pereja, who did a great job with Orlando City, but when he was with FC Dallas, everybody was like, you know, Dallas does it right. They, uh, they're they able to um, you know put together good teams with young players, and it doesn't cost a lot, and that's how you're supposed to do it, except that they never won an MLS Cup with him. Um, you had Atlanta who came in with, you know, Tata Martino, um, and you had LAFC as well. And you have these expansion teams that come in and spend big and understand that the extra money they're getting from major league soccer is putting them at a severe advantage. It feels like in these short periods of time. But what have we seen after that is you see a retraction whenever things start to be equal again, guess what? The teams start to be equal again. Um, So seeing Bruce arena labeled as MLS 1.0 seeing quite honestly, Caleb Porter kind of fits more into like MLS 2.0, but still people would say that, you know, time has passed him by and it's time to go. Um, You know, those types of things you have Peter Vermees in there who is an MLS 1.0 guy, but uh, does everything that 2.0 and 3.0 do. um, And is just extremely successful. The argument that you have to have an international coach, or you have to have a quote-unquote MLS 3.0 coach is ridiculous and none of the results have sort of proven that out. Uh, What you you have seen is that good coaches are good coaches. And so I, I think it's wise to keep that in mind as the LA galaxy go through their interview process. Certainly international coaches will be on that list. And I believe domestic coaches are going to be on that list as well. So I, that's, that's my, my rant that has been stewing ever since, you know, no, no shows o- over Thanksgiving,
2: you know, Ziggy and I had a long talk shortly after the, he was let go. Uh, and, and Ziggy was pretty upset uh, as you might imagine. And one of the things he talked about, is he said, you know, he's been around soccer for, forever you know um you know with his dad and stuff he goes back to 50s early 60s to the start of ayso even before that anyway the point is he was telling me uh, the same kind of thing you're talking about how all these new young coaches come along and all these new bright ideas and he was showing me some some soccer books that he had from the 50s where they were talking about the same kind of formational and strategic and tactical things that everyone's talking about Uh, You know, being the new wave of soccer, he said people were doing this in the 50s. It just had different names, and the players weren't as skilled, so it might not have looked the same, but it was tactically and strategically the same, Um, and and he thought that people like him and Bruce and even uh, Bob Bradley did not get the credit they deserved, that people thought they were dinosaurs when, in fact, as you said, they were successful and they knew how to win. It's really interesting. You look at, uh, say, the way that LAFC plays or the way Atlanta used to play uh, under tata martino with the the high press and the you know the uh, short passing game and possession game and all that kind of stuff and it looks it looks good and it's fun to watch and it, it oftentimes is successful when you think of the bruce arena teams i don't think of them having that kind of really attractive playing style but you know what you look at the end of the year and you look at the records and the team always wins and and i think sometimes he, you know, Bruce almost gets penalized because his teams are so good and so workmanlike and so blue-collar. All they do is win. They don't run up a lot of uh, high goal score. Uh, you know, there, there's not a Carlos Vela scoring 34 goals or Zlatan with 30. They don't do a lot of those things that grab your attention. All they do is win, and that's what it's supposed to be about.
1: I, you know, I, I would argue that Tiki Taco in, in 2012 and 2014 – was an attractive style of socket. They pass people to death and I, I I think that would but I mean I don't disagree with you that that Bruce, whether or not they have um you know always the best team his teams tend to show up at the end and and quite honestly for for galaxy fans that's what you should want right now is you need somebody in there who is a stabilizing force who can motivate players who can coach up the players that are not you know top quality mls talent or international level talent um that can still make you know and have have an effect on the team on the field and you know uh Arena was good at that. It feels like Dominic Kinnear is good at that, good with that as well. Now, when we talk about rumors surrounding Dominic Kinnear, before we go too far, I can give you some, some information. If you follow me on Twitter or you're on our Discord, you already know this information. I've already put it out to you. But I spoke with somebody with intimate knowledge of the negotiations going on, and there was a rumor out there that Dominic Kinnear had been offered the job. That's not true. Um, he has not been offered the job. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know that some of the key players weren't even in the country whenever that rumor was was out there. That um, some people were out of the country and therefore uh, not in a position even to be making offers or doing anything. They were on vacation, basically, and it feels like uh, they were they were out away for a couple days. You know, over the Thanksgiving holiday, we're going to come back. It, the LA Galaxy have interviews set up for this week. And they have interviews apparently set up for next week as well who those names are. I don't know. I would imagine, as I said before, there were international coaches that were going to be on there. I imagine that Dominic Kinnear is going to be on there as well. I'm not saying Dominic Kinnear won't end up getting the job. None of that's, but what I'm telling you is it has not been offered to him. He is not making a decision right now. The LA galaxy are going through interviews and whenever those interviews have concluded and they feel like they have their selection, they're going to make a decision. So, um, you know, Kevin, I think you and I were talking about how we understand the LA galaxy are going to take their time on this, Um uh, Mostly because it doesn't really it, I, I say they're kind of uh, damned if they do damned if they don't, which is, you know, if they selected Dominic Kinnear right now, people will criticize them for not searching, you know, far and wide for all, all those things. If they search far and wide and still come back to Dominic Kinnear or they go somewhere else, they're going to get criticism for taking too long and, and sort of going, you know, in, in all these different directions when they probably had somebody who can do the job in Dominic Kinnear. My money right now is still on him, but certainly Greg Vanny is a name that is now continuing to pop up on a regular basis. Um, and so the coach of Toronto FC, um, whether or not he will remain the coach of Toronto FC is certainly all up for discussion um, and has a Galaxy connection, certainly. So Vanny could be one of those guys as well. And then, you know, we've talked about a bunch of the international options as well. So those interviews should be going on this week and next week to give you a better idea of what's going on with the LA Galaxy and, the, and their coaching search.
2: But there is one time element to this, perhaps. Um, DC United, apparently, you know, they fired their coach a long time ago. And so they've been, uh, they're a, a, a little bit ahead of the galaxy on the interview process. And I have heard that Dominic Kinnear was one person that they were thinking of too. Now, if, if Dom were to become a serious candidate there, um, that might could sort have of crunch the galaxy time timeline a little bit if they had to make a choice uh, or risk losing gray uh, losing dom you know would they right. then offer him the job then or would they just say okay that's one name that we're not going to consider anymore
1: yeah yeah definitely it's something so yeah you can watch dc united it, it, it's an interesting process um there will be more information as things get closer. I can tell you that right now. It, it feels like that you know, the, the LA Galaxy sort of want to stay on top of this and, and get somebody done, and they need to. Because as we know today, Kevin, roster decisions were announced. Uh, MLS put in an 1130 uh, deadline, basically, so the day we're recording, November 30th, uh, to make bona fide offers or exercise or decline options on players. Now, we had given you some indication of, some, of who some of those people were but we didn't know hundred percent all of the contract information. And so now we have that contract information. So I'm going to go down the list Kevin, um, and then we can sort of uh, summarize and tell you why it seems like maybe things haven't changed all that much, but it still could change significantly or could not change significantly uh, as we go forward. Um, let's start with Jonathan Dos Santos. He is under contract for 2021, so he will be coming back. Uh, Christian Pavone, everybody knows about. the His loan has ended, um, and the LA Galaxy are continuing negotiations with uh, Boca Juniors on that. The, his fate was never expected today and uh, you should be looking at that probably in the next 30 days or so for anything to really happen. Uh, Chicharito is under contract in 2021. Uh, here's, here's, here's the first bit of actual information that we have for this offseason is that Sasha Klushen signed a new contract for the 2021 season. We have no idea how much money he was making last year, so I can't tell you if he took a pay cut. I can't tell you if it makes sense. I can't tell you any of those things because we don't know how much money uh, Sasha Klushen has made. On that one, Kevin, that's, that's a we can pause here and at least reflect on Sasha question for a second. Uh, I think you and I would have the opinion that keeping Sasha question on this team. To be in the locker room and to be able to provide some late game minutes and some control for the LA Galaxy in the midfield is probably a good deal, depending on how much money it is. If they paid him two million dollars, which they didn't, because they would have to announce that it was a uh, you know a larger contract. Although the deal of the the actual terms of the contract are not even finalized, they're expecting league approval on it. Um, but having Sasha Question on your team and in your locker room is probably a, an overall bonus.
2: And that's, I think, why they're bringing him back. And he, he's motivated to be here. I mean, I, I don't know what he made last year, and we should explain. Generally, the players' union, uh, twice a year, at the beginning of the summer, at the end of the summer, they list all the players' salaries, uh, You know what they're due to make. But this year, with COVID, with so many players taking uh, you know, percentage pay cut uh, to sort of uh, help the league balance the books, the union has not released any salary information. So we're flying blind. We don't know what anyone's making. And going back to see what Sasha made, Previous MLS clubs in previous years have, you know, would, would have nothing to do with what the Galaxy agreed to pay him. I think he's probably pretty motivated uh, if they offered him, um, you know, not an embarrassing cut, but if, you know, if they ask him to take a little bit of a pay cut, I think at this stage of his career, he probably would do that. He wants to stay home um, in Southern California. His family, you know, loves it here. And also, I think he believes in what the galaxy is trying to do. He is a very, as you mentioned, a very important part of this team. He is the guy. He's the the uh, the wise veteran in the locker room. Um, you know that that people are going to go and 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 turn to, uh, he's the Roy Kent of the galaxy is, uh, maybe <laughs> another way to put it. Right. Um, and, and that was extremely important this year with all the things that went on, you know, people look at his production on the field and, and say, well, maybe, you know, it wasn't a good year for him. You know what? It was a great year for him because he kept the galaxy together through the MLS is back through the black lives matter protest through the four months off. Um, and I, I think he probably wants to come back and get a shot at maybe uh, a 34 game season without interruption.
1: Yeah, it's and, and maybe not so condensed, although I think the schedule still will end up being a little condensed. Uh, it was rumored that question took a considerable pay cut to come to the galaxy last year. Um, so I was arguing even in our discord. Somebody said, well, I'm, he better have taken a 50% pay cut. I'm like, one, you don't know how much money he was actually making last year. So saying that is probably ridiculous. I go, technically speaking, he could have gotten a raise. And then that threw everybody off. And I said, well, if he was making $104,000 and you're going to pay him $105,000 this year, that would be a raise. Um, it's still reasonable. Again, The numbers matter, um, but we never get the actual numbers unless the uh, players union um, puts them out for us. And if you don't know the numbers, then you can't make really good decisions on this. Having said that this feels like Sasha question isn't costing the LA galaxy that much money. It feels like he wants to stay and sort of retire and be done here in LA. Um, And that means that he's motivated to play for the LA galaxy. He wants to be here. He has said that. Um, And uh, certainly whenever I asked him after the, uh, the, I think the last game about whether or not he was uh, thinking about retiring and coming back, he said he had hoped he would be back and he'd given no, uh, thoughts of retiring. So this is Sasha Kleshin going. So uh, question on the team uh, for 2021. Let's go to uh, Pipo Gonzalez who is under contract for 2021. We can talk about that. Uh, Joe Corona option declined, but still negotiating with the LA galaxy. Perry kitchen option are uh, out of contract. His contract is up, uh, and he is still negotiating with the LA galaxy. David Bingham goalkeeper out of contract, but still negotiating with the LA galaxy. Sebastian Lejet has a 2021 contract. Uh, Rolf Felcher is out of contract and still negotiating with the LA galaxy. So pro- possibly on a new contract, uh, Daniel stairs has a 2021 contract, uh, Danilo Acosta, Danny Acosta, uh, Injured for all of this season, uh, will be ready, it it seems like, for the 2021 season, is under a 2021 contract, so he will be back. Julian Araujo is under a 2021 contract. DLA Galaxy went out and exercised the option of Ethan Zubak, so he will be on the roster in 2021. Efraín Álvarez is on a 2021 contract. Uh, Emil Cuello is our first option declined. Uh, Emil Cuello will not be back with the LA Galaxy. They are not uh, they are not negotiating with him at least they didn't say that they were negotiating so it's likely you you've seen your last of Emil Cuello on the LA Galaxy senior team. Um, Justin Vom Stieg option exercise. So they picked up Justin Vom C's uh, option. Uh, so the goalkeeping position very much up in up for grabs. Vom Stieg seems like a capable backup. Uh, I think also signed with a new agent as well. So the LA galaxy picked up his options option exercise on Vom Stieg. Didi Triori had his option exercised. Uh, You had Emiliano and Sua, who apparently had an option for this year. That option was declined by the LA Galaxy, but they're still negotiating with him. And then you uh, you have Eric Lopez, goalkeeper, is on a 2021 contract. Uh, Nick Depew, uh, the LA galaxy defender is on a 2021 contract Uh, Dunbar and Jonathan Perez, both on contracts as well. For 2021, you get to Gordon wild who everybody was going wild for in the first game of the season for our, excuse me, the first couple games, I think in the bubble is when Gordon wild sort of came out, but his option has been declined. So I don't think you're going to see the LA galaxy, him in an LA galaxy uh, kit. Uh, again, you had Kai Kereniuk, uh option exercise, so they picked up his option, uh, the young midfielder. You had Carlos Harvey. His loan has ended there, Kevin, uh, but the LA Galaxy are negotiating with Taro FC. Taro FC actually loaned him to LA Galaxy 2, and then LA Galaxy 2 loaned him up to LA Galaxy. Uh, so they'll have to uh, negotiate there. Yanni Gonzalez, his option was declined. That's interesting. We'll talk about that one. Uh, and then Jonathan Klinsman, option declined, but still negotiating. So... That's where we sit. Let's uh let's talk about some of the interesting ones here, Kevin. Uh, as of right now, there were 28 players on the roster um, before this started. And now you had three option declines um, in this list. Only three. So Kwayo, you had Gordon Wilde, and you had Yanni Gonzalez option declined. Those are the only ones option declined and, and they're not negotiating with anymore. So really... You have 25 players if you brought back everybody you're still negotiating with um, on this roster. Is there, there
2: any surprises on this? i'm still i'm a little bit surprised that they are talking to felcher but i i do think that goes back because he's he was making you know to over two hundred thousand dollars the last time we saw a contract for him and he took a pay cut down to that so his first year he was making even more that seems like a, a, a kind of a pricey thing if you've decided that uh you know Arajo may be your outside back uh, but again i think it goes back to both uh, you know that they're negotiating with him to see perhaps if they can get him to take a slightly less expensive deal but uh you know, the Zuback thing, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. There's a guy who played a lot of games this year, played a lot of minutes. He only scored two goals, um, but I, I think he did enough to impress uh, the coaching staff or, or the front office that remains. And to, to say that he's a guy that can take some minutes and fill, you know uh, – you know, play some games when people are missing. And again, we talked about how, how Sebastian Legette's going to be gone, and and maybe Chicharito might get a call up, and you know Pavone could get a call up if he comes back. So they're going to need guys to take those minutes. And I think they saw enough from Zubek to know that he's the guy that they want to have around. Um, you know, some of the guys are still talking to. We don't know what they're talking about. Uh, you know, uh, Bingham had his probably his worst year as a pro. He had his highest goals against average of his career, one point nine four. Um, you know, he's over 30 now. I, I'm not so sure what they're talking to him about. Um, perhaps they, they don't have any other options at goalkeeper. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see what those conversations are about. Are they just uh, sort of leading those guys on until they can find a replacement? Is there serious talk? Are they really interested? And then there's one guy that, that you didn't even mention that we still believe he's under contract.
1: Yeah, uh, Jorgen Shelvick, uh, who is uh, is away on loan. Um, in Was he in Sweden? Is that where he's at? Is he? He's with Hammerby, isn't he? Is that is that what I remember? I, I'm gonna have to look it up now. It, it's literally been so like not in my i i have it. I have him he's on. A, he's at
2: Scandinavia.
1: Is that is that where, so? So he is. He's gone now. I asked the question today because. It's just weird that he's not listed on this because even if he's alone, he's technically an LA Galaxy player until that loan is up and either his contract is out and, you know, he would be listed as out of contract, basically, um, you know, whatever goes, but he's not listed on there. So
2: and, well, what happened to Jao Pedro? Yeah, it, it, Is he now out of contract as well?
1: He was out of contract. I think he was out of contract last year, and so he was out of okay. contract, and so then he could go sign with whoever he wanted to go to. But yes. Um, but for Jorgen Shelvick, it seems that at least from preliminary information and you know, we're 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 trying to wade around and look through the soup here whenever it comes to MLS and these roster rules and just sort of the obsification that that comes from uh, you know, the teams in major league soccer and the league trying to make sure you don't get a good idea of what's going on, but uh, Jorgen Chelvik is under contract from what I understand. He's just not on the LA Galaxy roster because he's loaned out and that loan is probably for a certain amount of time. It could even be for multiple years. And so therefore he is. But, but technically speaking, he's on the roster, which means Kevin, if I get this correct and I'll do my best, he was on a five year deal. The LA Galaxy signed Jorgen Shelvick whenever um, this was funny. I was filling in for you at the LA Times when this one broke. So I was actually the one who broke the news that the LA Galaxy had signed Jorgen Shelvick for the LA Times. So I remember this one pretty specifically, which is the LA Galaxy signed Jorgen Shelvick. So that's what a five. It feels like a five year deal like they signed him to a five year deal, which seems the only other player I've ever heard of signing a five year deal off the top of
2: my head with no extensions. Jonathan Dos Santos. Is that did did you want yeah, to go? Santos sign five years. It, uh, no, I don't believe he did. And Jonathan's contract was different in that he, they were picking up an existing contract and extending it. So, uh, in a sense, I believe the Galaxy only actually gave Jonathan three years, which is you know about the a typical term of a MLS contract. Um, but because he'd already had, I think, I believe he had two years left on his La Liga contract at that time, and then they extended it to get the deal done. So th- that went one a little bit of extenuating circumstance. I don't know that Jürgen, Jürgen Selvig had that kind of deal when he came over from Europe. Um, but yeah, I mean, f- especially for what they got. I mean, this was a guy who I thought came here. Uh, he came with a pretty good resume, and he, he looked like he was going to be a solid player. But, you know, I think when Europeans come into the U.S., they need to sort of get accustomed to playing here and 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 in a sense prove that they can handle the travel and some of the other complications of mls that's why you don't see the long contract you know even for european players because it is such a um you know it, it's such a roll of the dice whether they're going to be able to adjust so if they give someone like Jürgen shelby five years um uh, that's malpractice, I think, in my book. Somebody should pay for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you would think. Um, People Gonzalez being under contract, I think, hurts the LA Galaxy, although I, I think he was improved in the one week under, under Dominic Neer. So that's something. The Joe Corona, Perry Kitchen, David Bingham. I feel like the LA Galaxy... I like
2: Perry. I like, I like Kitchen. Kitchen played 21 games this year. I thought he was solid.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and listen, I'd say the same. I think Corona and Kitchen seem like they're kind of... Kitchen may rely on who the coach is, right? If it's Dominic Kinnear, I think Perry Kitchen can come back. I think that goes with Bingham as well. Is if it's Dominic Kinnear and he's the head coach, can he get Bingham for a reduced salary? You know, basically we show uh, Bingham's 2019 salary at 375 thousand dollars. That's a it's a lot of money for for a goalkeeper. Um, you know, depending on what Dominic Kinnear brings to the table and sort of what negotiating power he has with David Bingham. You know, if you can get that down, and I don't know what a good number is, but 220, 250 seems like a more reasonable number for what Bingham has brought to the LA Galaxy. Uh, maybe he stays, and maybe Bingham doesn't stay. Regardless, maybe the LA Galaxy, you know, move on. Maybe it's a, it's a Jonathan Klinsman sort of deal, and Klinsman, I think, is going to sort of be one of those guys that they're going to try to negotiate with and, and and sort of pull together as well. So, um, when you look at the 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 changes, or at least the 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 players that they are keeping it's 1 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 17 of 28 players are coming back in 2021 so um and i would imagine with the ones they're still negotiating with i would imagine Sua comes back that seems like a, a no-brainer to me. I thought Ensue was solid enough to, to bring back. Now, it may be that his option was you know, a, a whole bunch of money, and so they don't want to pay a whole bunch of money. Instead, they want to negotiate that deal down a little bit, or they want to change the terms, or they want to lock it up for longer. There's a whole bunch of reasons why they would decline the option but still negotiate, um, and that goes with all these guys. Now, I'll caution everybody, and I, I, I think, if everybody remembers last off season as well, Kevin is that still negotiating does not mean that there's going to be a deal done because the yellow galaxy were still negotiating with Ramon Allison Drini last year, whenever, you know, the options came out and basically he was out of contract and, The LA Galaxy were like, well, we're still negotiating with them, and that never came. We knew after about two or three weeks that that was never going to happen. It was going to come forward. So sort of keep that in your mind as, as you look at this. But if you were looking for wholesale changes, and I told you that 17 of 28 players were coming back, that's probably not something that you would jump up and down about. Um, I know there are players on this team that people disagree with. Um, and some of them they're still negotiating with. Uh, and, and you have to understand sort of you know what it is. But without numbers, Kevin, I can't give you a great that this makes sense or that doesn't make sense. So it, it puts us in a, in a bad sort of situation to try to evaluate what the LA Galaxy are trying to do here.
2: Well, I think what happens is it, when you talk about their continuing to negotiate that that just basically means you're sort of keeping the players close at hand and letting them know that you're interested um, as they did with Roman to, just to see how things would break you know the one thing you don't want to do is tell a player look you're not in our you're not in our plans we're not interested in you. No, we're not going to talk to you anymore. And then two weeks later, there's an injury and you have to come back to that guy and say, hey, we really need you. Um, that's just awkward all the way around. And it's not going to make for uh, you know a good negotiation. Um, you're right on the Bingham thing. It's it's very interesting. I, I think David Bingham, I, I think he really was. He was a, a very good goalkeeper uh, early in his time at San Jose. And that was when he played for Dominic Kinnear. So when you talk about Bingham, it could be one of those situations where, if Dom, where Dominic comes over and says, look. Um, yeah, I know he had a bad season. There were a lot of things going on. I think he still got it. I, th- I think I can work with him. I saw him when he was good. I know, you know, how to help him. And that might be one of those situations where Dominic has said, let's keep talking to him. I, you know, if I get the job, I think I can make this work. Um, or it could just be, uh, they don't have any other options at goalkeeper yet. You know, it's interesting. You talk about Jonathan Klinsman, he may turn out to be a, 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 a pretty good goalkeeper. We saw uh, some flashes of brilliance in the four games he played. We also saw some, um, you know, really awful mistakes. So we don't know what we've got there. But um, it, it's difficult to, to have a young goalkeeper and make him your guy early. We saw that with Clement Diop. If you remember when uh, Kudinov was here and he uh, and he benched Brian Rowe and made Diop the the goalkeeper, he was a young guy that was still kind of feeling his way, and he had some really awful moments. But You look at what he's done in Montreal this season And he's turned into a pretty decent goalkeeper The Galaxy just just leaned on Him too heavy too early I think uh, You know we may be having a totally Different conversation about Jonathan Klinsman in Three or four years he may be uh, you know One of the better goalkeepers in MLS we don't know That yet but it might not be A good idea to turn your team over to him at This point without having at least some idea Of a backup or a plan B because if the Galaxy really Want to compete this should not be the place where you're You know having goalkeeper 101 for a couple seasons
1: yeah it, it's a great it, it, it's certainly something you have to I, I- have to pay attention to
2: and when, when I look at this list of players that they are still talking to, whether it's negotiations or players they brought back or whatever, obviously Pavon, everyone would agree that that's the number one on the to-do list, got to get that guy back. Uh, second, I agree with you. I think in Sue, I thought he was solid. Um, you never had to think about left back. There were other positions that you had to think about a little bit. You never had to think about what was going on at left back. He, he
1: played, he, he he wasn't played the, every game, Kevin, every game that uh, of yeah, the season.
2: Second on the, team in, second on the team in minutes. He wasn't flashy. He didn't score a lot of goals. I don't even know how to. Did he even have a shot on goal? I probably had a shot on goal, but he he wasn't a guy that you noticed. And that was—that's exactly, I think, what you want from your back line. You don't notice the guys are there. They're just solid. They get everything done. They don't make huge mistakes. They do what they're supposed to, to to do. They stay where they're supposed to be. I thought he was a good player and. Um, you know, if, especially if you're going to have Dupuis next to him, a young uh, center back, that's the kind of guy that he can learn from. I, I would, I think that he, after Pavon, I think, and so would be my number two guy on the list of guys I want to bring back.
1: Yeah. Uh, he had two shots, uh, to assist, uh, no shots on goal for, uh, for Emiliano and Sua. Um. No, it, it's one of those. It, it's funny because you were talking about uh, Clement Diop and, and Brian Rowe, both of who were playing in the playoffs. Uh, Brian Rowe was with uh, Orlando City and Diop was with Montreal. Uh, you also have Giassi Zardis, who uh, played right back for the LA Galaxy, if you remember, under Siggy Schmidt, which is uh, always a fun, interesting little trivia thing, uh, is out there breaking games open in extra time for the Columbus crew. Uh, and who
2: is he going to play against this next week?
1: Uh, he's playing against Bruce Arena that's right
2: you know bruce arena is the guy who brought him to mls uh, uh, bruce tells the story about going over to, to jesse's artist house and sitting in the living room with him and telling him you know he's he was at uc santa barbara telling him he really needed to be in mls and needed to come to the galaxy academy um and then bruce sort of gave him just jesse, jesse had already played some for the national team when bruce came came along it, it, but hadn't played well and bruce kind of i, I think Basically restarted his career in, in some ways with the national team and made him feel more comfortable. Uh, the point is, I think Giassi owes a lot of what he's accomplished to, to Bruce, and it's going to be interesting seeing Giassi now trying to beat him in the Eastern Conference fi- uh, final.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's all. Hey, there's always Galaxy uh, players. Uh, by the way, the the team that the Columbus Crew beat, Nashville, uh, had you know Dave Romney at center back, and and was part of one of the uh, I think the best defense in Major League Soccer between Romney and Walker Zimmerman there. So. Um, you know there's galaxy ties all over the place and the players that haven't always worked out with the LA Galaxy have worked out in some sometimes in other places and sometimes they haven't I mean you know this is all rolling the dice but uh, the roster decisions are at least in for now Uh, eventually there will be the MLS expansion draft that'll happen after MLS Cup and all that stuff sort of draws to a close here Um, you have Seattle versus FC Dallas on the first which is tomorrow Um, you have Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota you have Columbus versus New England all coming up so 12-1 you have the Western Conference uh, 12-1 and 12-3 is Western Conference games Seattle FC Dallas Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota um, the Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota game is fun because everybody's pointing at each other, saying, "No, no, 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 no. we're the underdogs." Uh, there's a fight over who the underdogs are, with Peter Vermees, uh telling um, telling uh, Minnesota that that definitely Sporting is the underdog, because Minnesota are the favorites. And Minnesota's like, "Wait, no, 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 we're not." It's just it's fun. It's that's the type of you know banter that you expect to see, uh, you know, in the postseason. So now, who's yes. the
2: top seed now remaining in the East? Is it is it Columbus? And are there, is their record better than Seattle's?
1: Uh, Columbus is, I believe the host of that. So I believe Columbus is the, is the best team in the Because East.
2: Philadelphia and Toronto was out and I thought Columbus was third. So, yeah. um, but it, who has the better record, Seattle or Columbus? That
1: I don't know. I imagine, let's see, I can find out. Don't worry. I got buttons for this. I can, I can hit buttons and, and find out things and we you can, always yell
2: at me when I do, when I, I, I search the web on my computer you say my buttons are too noisy
1: yes well that's what see I I was able to search and find things and and not make a whole bunch oh, of noise.
2: I'm supposed to use my phone that's what you told me yes
1: that's what you, that's what you're supposed to do um yeah the fourth uh, they finished fourth Columbus finished fourth in the uh, overall standing so they have a better record than Seattle um
2: they one, do have uh, they so they would if it was Seattle against Columbus Columbus would host
1: yeah yes that is correct right now I'm trying to look at the uh, Columbus has one more win. Um, they both played no. So Columbus played 23 games in Seattle. So you're looking at points per game. So 1.78 uh, for Columbus and 1.77. Basically, the game Seattle couldn't play against wow. the, the Rapids will end up meaning that uh, that Columbus will host um, if Seattle were to advance through that. Yeah, Columbus is going to be the host of, uh, if they advance, uh, will host MLS Cup.
2: That may be the worst that might be the worst effect of this. Well, no, it's not the worst effect of the whole COVID thing, but the way MLS <laughs> kind of bollocks this thing up. Yes. Um, by one, what, it would be one one-hundredth of a point, they they might wind up having to go to Columbus. And the reason I say that is because I was just going to ask you who you like. I really like Seattle. I think they're playing really well right now. They're at home uh, against Dallas. They, if Kansas City loses, they would be at home for the conference final as well. They have not lost at home since 2015. Right. Um. And they have been in two of the last four MLS Cups, um, I believe that's right. Um, and I just think that they're right now probably the best, the hot, best and the hottest team. Uh, I would never bet against a Bruce Arena team if it came down to even if they played in Seattle. If it came down to New England, Seattle, I I might go with Bruce just because I, I you know, I I think it's silly to bet against Bruce. It would also be interesting if it came down to that too because when Bruce coached the Galaxy in the 2009 MLS Cup again when he turned that team around and took it to to the cup final in his f- first full season. That game was played in Seattle. You might remember it that was. was when they were still playing neutral turf uh, games. That was the game that went to a shootout, and the Galaxy wound up losing. But if uh, if Seattle were to host the final and, and Bruce Arena would go play there, he'd be returning to the same stadium where he held his uh, played his first MLS Cup with the Galaxy.
1: Yeah, and, and lost. Uh, I was at that game. I remember that. Cold, cold, rainy day for most of the day, and then into that.
2: It's In Seattle, cold and rainy. No way.
1: Yeah, I know. Surprising. Uh, it did. It didn't rain at least during the game, from what I can remember. So we were we were somehow safe for that. But it was cold. I was very it, cold, being from Southern California. That's cold, damp weather, and it's it's quite honestly, it's almost un-American weather as far as I'm concerned.
2: For, that that for was Somerset. when it was Quest
1: Field, right? I, I believe it was. Yes.
2: And then it was Century Link, and now it's Luton Field. It,
1: wait, they just changed it again. Yes, there's a new name. I can't keep track of all these. It's hard enough trying to remember Home Depot Center, StubHub Center, uh, Dignity oh, Health Sports Park.
2: I get that wrong all the time.
1: Yeah, and now they'll change it here in another year or something, and we'll we'll have to change it again, and we'll, we will have just gotten used to Dignity Health Sports Park. So uh, there's no we're, we're, one. I'm not smart enough to remember that stuff. So whenever we're going through all this, it's just a, a, another sort of mark against me. All right. Um, I think that's it. Uh, as of right now, we're planning on having a show on Thursday. So um. You can sort of keep that in your back pocket we were planning to have one the last thursday before um sort of the holiday week and that didn't work out so sort of understand that it may be one show a week Maybe two. Um, We'll sort of keep it going if there's stuff to talk about and we can have a wonderful live show uh, and we can do stuff, then we're going to do that. And if not, then we're not going to do it because uh, it's just it's not worth just, you know, exercising my jaw for an hour. uh, If there's not really important stuff to talk about with the LA Galaxy, usually we can find some really important stuff to talk about. All right. Uh, Anything else? Yes. Yes. I said Luton Field. It's Lumen. Lumen Field. Oh, I got
2: one letter wrong.
1: As in light. As in lumens.
2: Lumen, yes, okay. Lumen, Lumen Field. Um, I think my favorite was Century Century Field. Although Quest sounded kind of cool, Century Century Link because it was one word with a capital letter in the middle. That was kind of cool.
1: You you like that? Um, I'm trying to think of what my favorite one. Of all the no, I don't have one. They just you know they all mix together and I get confused. That's really where it's at. So, uh, Well do you
2: do you like the corporate names? I mean, like Fenway Park. Well, Wrigley Field is, I guess, maybe the first corporate name. But you know, Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park and Dodger Stadium. Those are kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's not sold to the highest bidder. And and then you, like you said, you get in this situation where a new sponsor comes along every couple of years, and it's like, where's the game? yeah, so what, I mean, where are we playing today?
1: You know, you, you still have like Mile High Stadium, you know, Mile High Stadium at, and then they put in some corporate names, so they're yeah, always...
2: That's, that's okay, I like I, I'll, I'll I'll go along with that, that's fine.
1: Yeah, it just I mean, you know, unless the, the Galaxy are going to figure out a way to really name it you know, it's like, it's Bruce Arena Field um, although Bruce Arena Arena is always fun too. Uh, Bruce Arena Field, um, you know, in the uh, Siggy Schmidt stands in the, you know, like, you, you know, in the Landon Donovan section you, you can start to sort of do that. I think my uh, my college baseball team uh, whenever they had one of their old fields was like this is the name of the stadium then this is the name of the field and this is the area and it had like three names so if you were really going for like the exact uh, the exact qualifier so I, I guess you could kind of get into that as well I I tend not to care much about
2: what? any of that stuff well, the baseball field next to Lumen Field, uh, it used to be Safeco Park. Now it's T Mobile Park.
1: Now it's T Mobile. Um, you know, it's like, meh, whatever. That's where, 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 where does Seattle play? Where, you know, where do the Mariners play? That's, that's all it, it sort of matters. I'm going to that stadium, uh, whenever it all says, uh, I yeah, guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, imagine if Manchester United changed Old Trafford to like, uh, uh, I, I don't know Scone Stadium or something. I didn't, that wouldn't work.
1: English breakfast tea. They don't call it breakfast yeah. tea. They don't call it English breakfast tea in England. I, I keep forgetting that. It's just it's just breakfast.
2: But tea. of course, all the you know half the stadiums in England now are are either Emirates or or Etihad or whatever yes. it is.
1: Yeah, you can't even name you can't even your own stadium, huh? Okay, yeah. I just, just want to make sure. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Uh, head on over to LA Times for all of Kevin's soccer writing. Uh, some U.S. men's national team stuff coming up and certainly some focus on the LA Galaxy uh, with three players going for that call-up. Um, so sort of keep an eye on that. LATimes.com and uh, go read all of Kevin's wonderful stuff. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We're keeping you updated uh doing a whole bunch of stuff whenever it comes to the la galaxy in the off season there will be articles there will be some updates um and so we'll get back into that as well so uh, a busy time for the la galaxy a lot of things should be moving coach searching going on as well uh we'll keep you updated as best we can for kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com
0: you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com